chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to have Steve Morris on the show today. Steve is the founder of Catalator with a mission and passion to help business owners build better lives through building better businesses, getting unstuck, fueling growth, achieving more profit, and having more fun with their crew. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Steve, I am so delighted for this conversation today. I told you there are so many areas that I want to dig into because, you know, our listeners are just going to find that you're just brilliant and I want them to just learn from you today. But I have to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Jeff Kosatek, because Jeff is the one that actually connected us and said, you two need to meet. And he thought that you would be a great guest on the podcast. So shout out to our friend, Jeff. But thank you so much, Steve, for making the time to be on the show. Well, thank you, Lisa, for having me here. I always enjoy having conversations about how to help business owners and people be able to move forward. And um, this is another opportunity to reach some more people and hopefully help some people today. Right. And I know that that is a driver for you. That's your why. You want to help people get unstuck and using your experience to bring those things and those tools to bear. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit because you are right now, you're sitting in Colorado, but you're not from Colorado. You are actually, you grew up in New Zealand. Yeah. I've been here in the States for 32 years, but yeah, you can tell from my accent, I'm not from around these parts. Yes. I'm, I'm from down south, uh, grew up in New Zealand, had you know, a wonderful childhood and upbringing there, and sailing was a big part of my life down in New Zealand, and that's why you sort of see some of these models on the wall behind me here in the background, uh, which has really informed a, a big part of my career and my life. Where did that come from, Steve? Was your dad a sailor? Was your grandfather? Who inspired you to start sailing? And were you, how young were you when you started learning how to sail? I was nine years old uh, when we started learning how to sail. And yes, my father was really into sailing and my whole family. And you know, the thing is that New Zealand is this tiny little island nation in the middle of the South Pacific there. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but the only way you could actually get to New Zealand was by sailing vessel uh-huh. <laughs> or canoe or something like that, right? And so we, <laughs> we had planes that, you know, were able to make the distance to fly down there. So sailing is a huge part of the national culture 
and sport in New Zealand. That's awesome. Well, I know, and we're going to get into this. You ended up sailing, but then you had an engineering mind and you went to engineering school. So where did that come from, Steve? Where did that love of engineering, probably trying to figure out how the sailing vessel worked and that sort of thing, I'm sure, you know, built some curiosity in you at a young age. Yeah, I I sort of feel like for me, it was like, I've always felt like I was an engineer. I mean, I was one of those kids that used to take apart toys to see what was inside them or take apart anything I could get my hands on to see how it worked. Things didn't always go back together again. <laughs> well, there might have been, you know, some missing parts or something like that, you know, much to my parents' worry and things like that. You know, I was always like that. I wanted to understand how things worked, how to build things, how to create things. So engineering school was a very sort of natural path for me to go after high school and I did a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and then I did a master's degree um, where I was actually doing research on the airflow around yacht sails because that was a really important part of research that was going on in New Zealand at the time as the country was getting into the America's Cup and really wanting to elevate the technology in sailing uh, which has been the path that's been going for 35 years now, and and New Zealand still, you know, wins the America's Cup and retains the America's Cup, despite the fact it's a nation of only 5 million people. Wow, that is just so amazing. And obviously, that was the precipice for your first job. I mean, you were designing these multi-million dollar racing yachts. And what, I know you had responsibility for the design teams and that, Steve, but you had a certain part of the yacht that you were kind of responsible for. And I'm trying to remember. Well, so during my, my career designing sailboats, I ended up designing just about every single part of the boat. I mean, we were a fairly small company and people had to cross train and know different skills and to be able to look at that. And, and the, the incredible thing about designing sailing boats is they're really all about systems thinking and about how you can put together the total design. Because if any one piece of the design sort of gets too much emphasis or attention, if you like, or too much weight put on it, well, then something else has a deficit. And You know, it's the same thing in sort of business when you're sort of putting together a business leadership team as well. You really want to make sure you've got a balanced, streamlined team to be able to take a business forward. And and so designing sailboats was like a real model for that. Towards the end of my time doing that, the hydrodynamics, the keel, the part of the boat that's underneath the water really attracted me. um, And I ended up sort of specializing in that area and had incredible opportunities. Some of the teams that we worked with, had wonderful resources and they enabled me as as a design director to be able to bring in researchers from universities and people who had worked for NASA and builders and all the latest technology with titanium and carbon fiber and stuff like that and, and bring all a team together to be able to create these marvelous designs and to be able to go win incredible races. I was was really fortunate to be able to have that opportunity in my career. Like you said, just so many parallels. You know, one of the things that you talk about is really loving to help people get unstuck. Mm -hmm. I love this. You said the obstacle is the way. (laughs) Yes. You know, you talk about going through the pain of training and leading into your obstacles. Unpack that for us, Steve. What do you mean by that? Helping people get unstuck, helping them lean into their obstacles. Yeah, so the obstacle is the way, is is the title of a book, but it's also part of the philosophy of stoicism. I think these challenges, I mean, we're always 
beset with challenges, right? If we're trying to do anything important or worthwhile in our lives, we're going to meet adversity, right? Things are going to get in our way. People don't do the things that we want them to do. Clients don't come in, you know, whatever happens in the business. And these things get in the way. And in my mind, you can have a couple of different ways of dealing with this. You know, one is something can get in your way and, you know, it can trip you up and you don't necessarily make the right decisions or you decide to give up or, or something like that. You hate the fact that something's getting in your way and you can't realize your dreams. The other side of it to me is to realize that the obstacle is the way. The thing that has been put in your path, that is your path. And it's an opportunity for you to be able to lean in, to be able to figure out, okay, this thing's really like knocking me back on my heels. I'm triggered. You know, I don't have the tools. I don't have the skills. I don't know how to do this. But leaning into that and being able to figure out how to get through that is something that's going to give me so much benefit. I'm going to learn some new skills and I'm going to become a stronger, more resilient person. That philosophy, you know, if I go all the way back to the beginning of my sailing career, so straight out of college, I'm on a professional sailing team. You know, I was used to like doing academic work, right? And then the next thing, I'm getting up at six o'clock in the morning and going and training with this professional sailing crew. And our trainer was this Commonwealth gold medal weightlifter, <laughs> incredible. He's just like this fire plug guy. He's about five feet tall and, and just built solid. And he would take us into the gym and you know, run us through these incredibly arduous workouts. One of them, right, you know, we had this bar on our back and we were doing endless squats. You know, your whole body is just sort of aching and screaming. But the point was to like lean into that adversity and to realize, okay, I can get through this. And that sort of training allows us, you know, then as a crew, when we're out on the boat, sailing the boat and it's a storm and things are breaking and all this stuff's going on. You've got that innate confidence and ability now to know that I can get through this and it's not going to last forever. I can persevere. I can figure out how I'm going to deal with this situation in front of me. I'm not just going to flip out about it. And then to have that same philosophy and going forward into business, I mean, I see this all the time. I've experienced it in my career and I'm sure you have too in, in running a business. Like stuff happens, <laughs> but to agree that you have that sort of self-control that confidence, that regulation, but also the attitude like, okay, this is a difficult situation. I'm going to figure my way through this situation and I'm going to come out better and stronger on the other side. I think that's just such a fundamentally important philosophy for life. I could not agree with you more. And I was thinking about the bar on your back. You know, you don't get stronger without the resistance. You know, and oftentimes we want to get away from the resistance. We say, make it go away. But if you didn't have the bar on your back, I mean, you're not going to build your quads. You're not going to build your body the way you need to, right? So, you know, I read um, one of your blogs and you called it a game plan for resilience. Okay. Mm -hmm. The resilient entrepreneur framework. And you've got several different steps there. So can you just touch on a few of these things, the resilient entrepreneur framework? Yeah. So I wrote that probably, I guess, a while ago when we're in the middle of the pandemic, right? And so everybody's sort of trying to figure out like, how are we actually supposed to be taking our businesses forward when everything's changed? And as you talk about in, in reading that blog, it's sort of 
there is so much that we keep in our heads and all this stuff spinning around and you're waking up at two o'clock in the morning with the hamster wheel going at a thousand RPM, right? So what can you do about that? Well, there's tools and techniques that help you deal with that. And one of those things is get a list of, you know, a blank sheet of paper, make a list of all of the stuff that's getting in your mind, that's getting in the way. You know, I just love the psychological aspects of this, like writing with a pen on paper, you know, really helps your brain be able to sort of connect into those ideas and get them out onto a piece of paper. So then I work with leadership teams with the same thing, because sometimes business is running so quickly and fast and this person's going here and the phone's ringing and everything like that. So tools and techniques for being able to help business leadership teams be able to become more resilient and deal with these issues is to have an issues list. And this is a major part of the entrepreneurial operating system framework that I work with with my clients. We get a list, get everything written down and create a culture in the whole organization where people feel safe and free to be able to write down the obstacles, the impediments, the things that are getting in the way. But then you've got now a laundry list of stuff. (laughs) So now the key thing is, because you've got limited time, right? We don't have hundreds of hours to be able to go through all of our stuff. But the key thing is, and I teach my clients this, the discipline of prioritization, of being able to look at the list and say, okay, well, what are our top three priorities that we need to deal with this week? And to be able to identify them and then to be able to dig in and to be able to start working on and solving those issues. Because oftentimes you can have a list and people by default will start at the top of the list and work their way down. That's not always the thing that's at the top of the list is randomly there. It's not always the top priority thing that you need to work on. So we really help teams get more efficient and be able to solve problems together with the limited time that they have. You come out of a meeting sometimes and you're like, well, there's two hours of my life I'm never getting back again and, you know, that sort of thing. Or or you arrive in a meeting and we're like, didn't we just talk about all this stuff last week? Exactly. <laughs> so working with leadership teams to be able to help them prioritize, get things solved so they're checked off the list, they are gone, we can now move on. And that gives you that feeling like, oh, I'm making progress. We're deciding things. We're making decisions. We're removing obstacles. And we're moving on with the business. And that really helps reduce that sort of sense of overwhelm. We're making progress and progress equals hope. When you feel like you're making progress, you know, there's a sense of hope. Yeah, there's so much here. And you talk about mindset, taking a step back to take care of yourself so you can approach the obstacles from a position of energy and strength. You know, if we are deflated, if we are lethargic, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, then we're not going to be able to approach those from a position of energy. And then the last one you say is a resilient future, a mindset of possibility. One other thing I want to point out for our listeners, Steve has done a lot of work and a lot of research on how the brain and the hands are connected. And so you said, you know, writing it down, there is a connection that happens. And we'll talk about this more because I know that you, in your coaching with teams and things, you're a Lego certified trainer, right? But we'll talk about all that. But I love that, that you have studied that connection between the hand and the brain. And I want to dig into all of this more, but we do need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Steve Morris. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. 
We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360-degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out-of-the-box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. So welcome back to Something Extra. So Steve, you had this amazing career, 16 years building these high-performance yachts for award-winning teams, Olympic sailors, and then you pivoted and went into government contracting and you became a certified PMP project manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You did that for 10 years. And then you jumped on the entrepreneurial wagon six or seven years ago and started Catalator. Because now you want to take all of this amazing experience and the things that you've learned and you want to help other people. But, you know, I know that you'd stumbled on to Traction, the EOS that we've talked about. But one of the components in there, I think it's maybe component six is process. And you talk a lot about the importance of process. And I'm a believer in process and having processes documented. So tell us a little bit about that. I know how important it was in building a yacht. And you said every time we went to build a yacht, it wasn't like we were winging it. No, I mean, we were <laughs> working on designs. You know, people are, are sailing around the world in boats that we had designed out in the middle of the Southern Ocean thousands of miles away from land. I mean, if something breaks, like there's no calling for AAA or anybody to come rescue you. So, you know, when we put together these designs, we really had to make sure that we were doing the right thing every single time. So process, you know, was a very, very deep part of what we were doing. It was also a huge enabler to the business as well. When you document your processes, you can get consistency in your business, which allows you to scale. I think we had a competitive advantage that because we had our processes documented when a new client came in, we were very quickly able to, you know, map out a design, sort of conceptualize it, figure out what it was going to cost and all of those sorts of things because we had taken the time to be able to figure out like what our processes were. And now, you know, that's a huge motivator for me when I'm working with my clients with the entrepreneurial operating system. You know, as you were saying, the process component is one of the key components in the EOS model, because when you work to get your processes documented, as I said, you can get consistency in the organization. You get the important stuff done the right way and the best way every single time. And when you can get that happening, magically, it makes your whole business easier to manage, right? Because people aren't kind of running off in all sorts of different directions and doing it this way and doing it that way. And making it up just because I felt like it this morning, get rid of all that stuff. You know, the important stuff in your business, document it. And one of the techniques that we work with our clients on is we, we call it a 2080 approach. So instead of, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, I've got to sit down and document all the steps and all my processes, and that's overwhelming to a busy business owner and leadership team. So we take a 2080 approach. You document the 20% of the steps that get you 80% of the process mapped out. No one's going to read a 700-page standard operating procedure manual. Right. <laughs> if you get a sheet of paper and say, here's what you need to do to get this process right, now the team can be more aligned about what they're doing. The other important part about it, and once again, this also comes back to my experience you know, as a designer, is 
you've got to make sure everybody who touches your core processes, who's involved with them, you know, has been properly trained, right? And knows the right way of doing things. So that's another thing that we work on with our clients, making sure that, well, don't just put the effort into documenting your processes and put it on the shelf and walk away. Use it. Make sure people know about it. Train people so that they know the right way of doing things and so they feel better that they are following the process. They, they know what's going on. As I said, you know, that now allows your business to become easier to manage. It's more fun. It actually creates time. I mean, so many entrepreneurs just feel like time is your most precious resource, right? Time is this limited thing. And unfortunately, sometimes, you, you know, you come in on one of those days and it's just like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, you know, besets you and things like that. And, and so it's always sort of scrambling around in that quadrant one, you know, important, urgent quadrant. But once you start sort of like, you know, investing this time and documenting your processes and training people so they know the right way of doing things, now you as a business owner and as a leadership team have more time to concentrate on the things that you need to concentrate on, which is where's the business going? Yes. <laughs> Not putting out fires. They should be, you know, looking forward into the future and figuring out what are our next steps. So that's part of really like, you know, creating this organization and this framework, this operating system in the business means getting people doing the right stuff, the important stuff, the best way every single time and freeing up you know, the leader of the business to be able to do their job. Probably some of the resistance that you get is time. Yeah. Say, well, I don't have time. But this, to me, is a case in point of slowing down to speed up. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. once you get those processes documented. And the other point that I want to make, it doesn't mean, again, that you document that process. You're continually honing the process, right? You're continually improving, making it better, making sure that you're going back to those documented processes and going, is there a better way? You know, is there something or something that a step that we could possibly delegate to someone else? I mean, you know, you're constantly refining it. Okay, so I want to move into this because I find this really fascinating. You talk about this mindset of a maker and maker empowerment. And you and I both have heard this, Steve, and I've said it myself. I can't think of anything creative. I'm not a creative person. We've all got those friends out there that the ideas are just, you know, just flowing all the time, right? If you can build up your curiosity, and I feel like sometimes as we get older, we lose a little bit of that. Like you said, when you were nine years old, you were taking things apart. You were curious. You wanted to know how do things work. And I feel like sometimes as we get older, we lose that awe in the wonder of that. But I know you've worked a lot with students and all kinds of things. So give me your, your mindset on the maker mindset. Uh, it's, it's such an incredibly important concept to me. You know, working with businesses and leadership teams for a start, right? I mean, every business needs to be creative. You need to keep innovating and creating to stay ahead of the competition and figure out where things are going. But the environment is moving so fast too, right? I mean, there's new technology, AI, all of these sorts of things are coming in and how are they going to affect your business model? And I see people shrinking back from that and, and like, I don't understand this technology. Like, I don't know how to deal with it. It's a mindset issue. And, you know, my philosophy is, well, yes, you can engage with it. 
there's pathways and there's frameworks to be able to do that. You know, and then sort of, I sort of backtrack from all of that, you know, then I go and look at younger people and, you know, kids in school and things like that. And there's this incredible curiosity, but people say all sorts of things about our education system, but, you know, it's, it's a system about learning stuff and regurgitating it, which, you know, fits into creating people that industry needs, got it. But it also, you know, there's sometimes this curiosity kind of gets a little bit stamped out along the way. Like a teacher or an adult might make a comment to a, a child, you know, like, well, you could have tried harder with that. Or, you know, if you knew how to paint, you know, this painting would look better or something. And I just, you know, there's a little wound. <laughs> color in the lines. Color inside the lines. There you go. You know, and that causes a little wound to me, you know, and then that idea of, the, you know, psychological wound that somebody says, well, I'm not going to venture out now. and you know, we need people in our businesses who can actually think uh, a little bit about, you know, coloring outside the lines. I mean, we've talked about documenting processes and doing things the right way and the best way, but we also need to have people look at those processes and be able to say, you know, maybe there's a better way of doing things here. Or to be able to look out at this new technology that's in the environment out there around the business and figuring out like, you know, how might we incorporate it in there? So you're going to have this pathway to me is, is having that curiosity. But the key thing is being willing to fail. You know, this is what something I used to teach kids. I'll teach anybody about this, but fail to me means first attempt at initial learning. That's what F-A-I-L says, first attempt at initial learning. I love that. And so it just means, okay, I tried something uh, and it didn't work. You know, I can learn something from that and I can figure out, do I need some new skills? Do I need to go read something? These days, <laughs> go look it up on YouTube, right? That's all we're doing. Yes, <laughs> that's our kids are learning everything on YouTube these days. Yeah, and then the important thing to me is like creating an environment actually inside your business where people feel like it's safe to be able to try things and to fail that sort of links in with this whole concept of psychological safety, which is a you know huge thing when we talk about high-performing teams. Google did all of this research, all of the teams they've got running at Google, who are their high-performing teams, and what are the characteristics of those high-performing teams? And they found that the number one characteristic of high-performing teams at Google was that they had something called psychological safety, which meant people in that team felt safe to be able to raise their hand and say, hey, I don't know what's going on here. Hey, I don't understand this. Hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need help. Could you help me sort through this, this issue here? Here's a problem. I want to raise it. All of those sort of things. And they could do that without fear of being ostracized and you know, voted off the island or whatever, right? So I, I see this thread running all the way through from you know education system and school through college and into business and creating high-performing teams about really allowing people to feel like they, they can be curious, that they can follow things, they can learn new skills, and then they can bring it into the workplace and have an environment where everybody's working together, building trust and creating that psychological safety. So you can have those creative ideas and move your business forward and leapfrog the competition. Uh, and go forward from there. So it's a big, long thread, but I feel like it's very important and it has economic bottom line impacts. You know, 
your business. No doubt about it. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, we need to be teaching kids <laughs> that first attempt at initial learning, you know, failure, it's not what people have said that it is, you know, it, don't be afraid of that, you know, so, so much good things uh, packed in there. But I have to ask you, this is something extra. What do you believe, Steve, is the something extra that every leader needs? So I, I thought about this question. One of the things that really came up for me last year, you know, as I'm working with my clients and, you know, we're all going through the pandemic is this idea, it's a very simple idea, that your physiology and your psychology are not separate, right? So your mind and your body are connected. Yes. And there's a key thing, that your breath is the remote control for your nervous system that connects them together. So, yeah, I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm a certified project manager. I'm a business coach. But I'm fascinated by human performance because we are humans and we come and perform together in high-performing teams. You need to be able to realize when you are getting triggered or about to flip out or something's like really challenging you pressing your buttons and need to have some tools to be able to deal with, you know, that stress that's going on in your head. And the thing that I really got into last year and spent a lot of time and I now use for myself and teach my clients is your breath. Just breathe. And this is fascinating concept um, it's called the psi mechanism so it's hardwired into all mammals and including us if we take a breath in and then we top it up and then take a long exhale it activates a hardwired mechanism in our brain that helps us calm down and you see it in like a you know, like a dog that's going circling around and is about to go to sleep a little kid, you know, has been crying at the end, like when you're calming down. It's, awesome. You can do it yourself. Just when you're walking down a hallway at work and something's triggering you, just do that three times. So that's a technique. There's something extra. You can try it out. <laughs> yes, I love it. That is a first. I've done over 150 episodes, Stephen. I've never had anybody say that's a something extra, but I absolutely love that breathing techniques that's wonderful well steve i want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners about whatever it is that you want and how they can get involved cool well thank you um so i'm a business coach i'm a professional eos implementer entrepreneurial operating system is just the complete proven system of a simple set of tools that we work with a business leadership team to get three things we call vision traction and healthy so vision's really getting you and your leadership team 100% on the same page with your vision. Traction's all about discipline and accountability, becoming masters of execution. And healthy's making sure you're working together as a healthy, functional, cohesive leadership team. So I love helping leadership teams get these three skills, move their businesses forward, break through ceilings, and to be able to get to building a more fun and profitable place to work with their crews. Well, I hope that you have a lot of people reach out to you. So how can they find you again? Sure. I'm at steve at catalator.com. That's C-A-T-Y-L-A-T-O-R, catalator.com. I reach out. Um, it's also my website at catalator.com. And I'm on LinkedIn at Stephen A. Morris. Always happy to have a conversation. Awesome. Very good. Well, Steve, hey, thanks again for being on the show today. This episode is packed with so many good tools and words of wisdom. So I know that's going to impact our listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, yes, I hope that it brings good value to the people on your podcast and listening to it. I know it will. 
Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.